everybody to episode 27 of Gen Z Rockets, part of the Gen Z Podcast Network. I am Nima Javadzadeh. You can find me on Twitter at FindingNima23. And with me today, we have a good friend of mine from SBC that I met over uh, the Summer League. And, you know, a good friend of the podcast, hopefully coming up, Corbin Ford at CorbinNBA on Twitter. Corbin, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay, you know. Um tired but who isn't tired and just excited to uh be here yeah bro it's good to see you again uh we left summer league uh about eight days ago nine days ago <laughs> for um, real crazy been that long or been that short yeah it was very short but we were there for quite a bit uh, about a week corbin what was your experience like at summer league um We'll get into SBC afterwards, but uh, let's talk about just the summer league experience. Like for me personally, it was, it was really cool. Um, there was a lot of really like just a lot of networking available, but also being able to just see the players up close for the first time. Also just really good to see live basketball. Um, yes. But the, the, like the way for like round of applause to UNLV round of applause to everybody that like, was running the summer league. Cause that it just went very well in my opinion. Um, but what were your thoughts? I enjoyed it. It was my first time actually at summer league. So um, to have the buzz, you know, to, I've imagined it, you kind of can feel it in a way, like when you're watching it, but like to be there in person, totally different experience, man. One that I, I was ready for, but like, it's something different, man. You know, you're feeding off yeah. the crowd in a way, you know, seeing everyone up close and personal, um, especially seeing guys in this summer league that, you know, you go through a whole scouting cycle that you've either, you know, read other people's content intimately about, or you were a part of it in terms of producing content. Now you're seeing them and it's like a validation or seeing what, what they've grown into as far as players. And it's an experience all unto itself. It really is like a basketball Comic-Con in a way. And it was a, it was an absolute blast to have been a part of that. It was really cool. And then also, uh, you know, the, I was saying that the first like day or two, you're walking around and you see whether it's rookies or like, you know, famous NBA players just walking among you. And you're like, oh, man, it's like this guy and this guy. Like I saw LeVar Ball up close. Like, oh, wow. But then by like day three or four, you're just like walking by and you're like, oh, look, it's Jonathan Kaminga. Like, oh, look, it's John Kitty. <laughs> like, yeah, for real. My like, last. And just like the excitement goes away by like day five or six. But uh, still really cool. Got to see a lot of players like out and about at night, which is weird. Uh, so I ran into like Steven Adams and Josh Hart, which was cool. Whoa. I know a couple Rockets fans ran into Christian Wood and DJ Wilson. Um, so definitely like an awesome experience for them. But overall, you know, Summer League was just a really good experience between TNM and Cox, which we, which was your favorite stadium of the two. I, they had completely different feels and uh I feel like one was a lot more personal, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I gotta say Cox only cause I was there. Like, no, that's tough. I was in one more than the other. So I feel like mine is skewed a little bit more, you know, it was different popping in. The difference was real, but I have to say, <sighs> I mean, one's a stadium and one's a gym, right? Like exactly. And the feel feels for like that. a stadium, right? And then you go into you go into Cox, and it's like I'm back at a high school gym, and like, which is cool. Watch this game. It's a good <laughs> feeling. And then you, you yeah. know, it's, it's like high intensity basketball, and uh, 
I, a picture of me got to swirl around right behind John Morant in that stadium. So that that's dope. dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I saw it was dope. And that's true. It's a lot more close contact. It's cool. I want to say that. I'm going to say TMN only because uh, only because in the Mac, I had a lot more memories of like hanging with you guys. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think for me a lot. Of, and then the Lakers Clippers game that went down to the wire and like watching Jalen Green versus Cade. Like there were yeah. moments. I had a nice vibe at Cox for sure. But I had more time there, so I'm going to lean with what I know. Next year, I'm trying to bounce it out, though, for certain. Yeah, and next year, it's definitely going to be, like, a little bit easier just to kind of, like, transition because you know now, right? Like, you know how, how things go and how you need to maybe, you know, get ready at halftime to sprint to the other stadium to be able to get a good seat for the next game coming up. And you got to do that back and forth. And so um, definitely a bit of adjustment. But you talked a little bit about, you know, getting to spend some time in the scouting section, uh, section 103, still remember that. <laughs> um, it, at, at NTNM with SBC, uh, you had a great sport business classroom experience. Uh, your team got first, my team got second. Uh, I want to know from the people listening right now if you think that OG Ananobi and three first is worth Shea Gildas Alexander. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had to have that conversation, and a lot of people on my team weren't very fond of it. Oh, that was was, awkward. <laughs> the SBC experience was pretty cool. Um, getting to talk to like scouts firsthand, getting to really understand that process, getting to understand the front offices. And um, even on the media side, getting to talk to guys like Nikai's Duncan and Alex Kennedy, uh, Marcus Thompson, who all have, you know, great rapport in the NBA world, uh, getting to really see, you know, how they went about things and kind of learn about that from there. Uh, what were your thoughts on, you know, SBC? Was it something you recommend to people? What was your like biggest takeaways? What were your favorite parts? You know, it's funny. It, it feels weird. I mean, having attended the virtual with you, I think it's, it's it's something in terms of the content being one thing. The content was great. If you have never, if you were interested in just trying to break in from an operation standpoint, from, um, you know, a salary cap perspective, scouting, like just like breaking in to understand basic tenets of all of that. This is definitely the crash course kind of thing for you for certain. Um, for me, the content was good. You know, I was able to learn, learn a lot that I had, I kind of previously already knew, but not like really fleshed out or really getting the stuff that I wasn't really aware of in terms of maybe the scouting cycle, things like that. Um, the biggest takeaways for me, though, I think far past all the lessons and the notes and everything will be the memories I had with folks. I mean, meeting you was a tremendous um, okay. opportunity. It's been just friendship, just even Likewise, here, you know, yeah. it, it sends far past just the, 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 the week long course that you have. I think that the relationships and memories that you form from that are big, not only in terms of a networking stage, because they are, you're kind of going up together or maybe some people at different levels and they're helping you along, but the friendship, man. I mean, you got people who know hoops, who love hoops like you do, who are just as yeah. vibe people as you are and having that rapport and building that out. I think that's what I'm going to carry away the most. The presentation was fun. Like having the team presentation for me was different. I think because I'm used to playing like, basketball gm the game or like i played yeah. 2k in my time and and i, I think it was hilarious UK, yeah. yes and it was hilarious to kind of go from that where you know okay what is the team doing well they're doing whatever i think we're doing we're rebuilding and then it's like oh no now we have a team where we might have different opinions you got an owner convince... you gotta listen to as well <laughs> yeah exactly and now we gotta convince another team that like hey yeah like shea gilders is actually like really important or <laughs> like you know and and taking offers and like some people are like oh i'll trade you this guy in like two seconds and you're like what are you talking about? Like, do you not value them the same way? And it's realizing that people can all know hoops and come from vastly different perspectives on the same subject. And yeah, we kind of know that from like first take and podcasts and stuff. But I think that's so like mainstream, it's kind of 
watered down that no, the perspectives can be like as different from person to person as anywhere else. Yeah. And some people just have like different tastes in players. Like we, I, you know, we know your favorite kind of player is all the menaces. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but you know, like Troy Weaver, for example, in Detroit, like he loves his athletic guys. Um, and that's why there's a big talking point. And maybe he drafts Jalen green over Cade Cunningham because he's that like dynamic athlete. Um, and so like, different GMs, different front offices, different people, they like have different tastes in basketball. And so, you know, so they, they prefer different kinds of players over other guys. Um, but I wanted to touch on what you said, you know, the best part about SBC and why I recommend it to a lot of people. Um, I mean, obviously like for me, you know, having done the, uh, the virtual, a lot of the teaching was pretty similar. We did learn, get to get a little bit more in depth with certain things, especially with scouting, uh, towards the end, which I was very happy about. But again, the best part of it was getting to meet a lot of people. Like, for example, I did, I got to meet you, got to be able to network with you really well, get to become, become friends with you. Uh, Andrew Sanchez, shout out to him, who was in my group, uh, got to, you know, work with him a lot. He's, I think he's going to do really big things. Uh, Ron Guterman, who you just had on your, on your show, who was on yeah. my team, uh, super, super talented, writes for the Lakers. Like he's, he covers the Lakers. Uh, like he's going to do amazing things. And, you know, John, who runs the John's. podcast network, Shout out to him, uh, sir. you know, him getting his moment to shine, getting on the Kais Duncan's like page. Um, the socks were killing it. Shout out to John. I know he's listening um, and he's going to love this episode. I'm sure <laughs> he's going to text me it as soon as I post it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was definitely just a really great experience at Summer League. So to anybody thinking about going to Summer League, definitely go. If you are going next year, feel free to hit me or Corbin up. I'm sure we will both be there. Uh, and I'm sure it will be a great experience. We're going to move on from talking about the Summer League experience to talking about some guys who actually got to play at the Summer League. We more so just watched and spent some money. Um, <laughs> guys who were making the money. The Rockets rookies. This is what we're here to talk about. Um Four rookies on the team that we drafted, and then Matthew Hurt, who I don't feel like talking about. No disrespect to Matthew Hurt. When you started with that, that <laughs> and Matthew Hurt. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna go through. I want you. I want to know what were your thoughts on the Rockets rookies? Who really stood out to you? And I know you're a big Josh Christopher guy, so we can go ahead and start with him. Yeah, man, it was funny. Actually, yeah, I just had a chance to talk about him. He, I liked. I mean. From from AZ, so shout out to ASU. I mean, actually, no shout out to ASU, but you know, ASU's there. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> coming over to Houston, I like the concept of. I mean, I like what he can be. Right now, you had a guy who is going to get buckets. You know, he's going to take a lot of shots to get said buckets, but he's going to score a lot of energy. His his physical profile is immense in terms of just like this like like solid dude, like six four, but like a rock. Um, but he moves with some fluidity. And I mean, his jump shot, obviously getting some more consistency there. He has a little bit of a dribble package. It's kind of cool, especially when he gets into his shot, um, his pull-ups, you know, getting to the rim. Uh, I like the energy with which he plays. I think defensively kind of came and went. Um, like, and it's frustrating because you can see moments where it's like, this dude can absolutely do it. And it's not like he doesn't want to do it. It's just moments where it doesn't look like he wants to. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if <laughs> you can look at some of the less lack of effort. No, it's not just that. It's just kind of like like when he okay he had one play where he was like caught like he got completely spun around on like a switch and like the pick came he turned and he got literally 360 spun lost so i managed to catch where he was get back in time and like almost block the shot 
And the recovery time for that was crazy. And it wasn't like it was for any lack of effort. It was just like awareness, defensive awareness. But um, I like him. I I think he can be someone that like is like an energy spark plug kind of guy. And I say that from not just in like, that usually means like jack of all trades, but like master. No, I think the guy can really master like scoring. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see where he fits, where if you look at him alongside uh, who we'll talk about who does it better, Jalen Green, and you look at someone in Kevin Porter Jr., they're on that same type of archetype, you know? Yeah, and I do think, you know, uh, Josh did sort of have a sort of, not unorthodox role, but just a role he's probably not going to have in the NBA in the summer league. Like, the Rockets didn't have a point guard there at all. They had Trey Phils, who was like the only true point guard. True. Um, so Josh Christopher really had to go out there, do a lot of the ball handling duty. It was basically between him and Jalen Green for most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he did a pretty good job. He, was, he had some really nice passes. Like his yeah. playmaking ability was something that I was really, really happy about. Um, he had some really bad passes, but, you know, <laughs> that's kind of to be expected. Um and, you know, what you said about, you know, he gets turned around, but he's able to recover. The, now the, the thing is, let's prevent you from getting turned around in the first place. Yeah. Like, and so cutting down on those errors is going to be kind of the next step with, with Josh Christopher. I do think that the Rockets just sort of have a stopgap at the, like, one, two, and three position. He's probably going to get a lot of minutes in the G League, but I think those reps and just being able to fine-tune his shooting, getting to his spots, uh, you know, just – the reads on the offense with the ball, being able to play, make a little bit better, um, being a primary defender in the G league, you're probably going to be guarding the best player on the other team, um, either him or Garuba. And so I do think that, you know, he's going to have a chance to really improve himself over the next year or so. And hopefully, you know, by the time the end of the season rolls around or, next season rolls around, we have a better idea of where he's going to be in the roster because I honestly don't think Rafael Stone takes him at 24, considering some of the other guys that were available at 24, if you don't think that he's going to be part of the roster long-term. Like, the idea going into this draft was draft for five years from now and who's going to be on that roster five years from now and not draft for, you know, tomorrow because the Rockets don't really need that. So – a guy like Josh Christopher, he's either you draft him to either keep him around or you expect him to kind of blossom and you'll be able to use him as a trade chip kind of down the road. But keeping him around seems like the best thing to do. I mean, the personality is there. He's got I think he fits well in the just kind of the, the culture of Houston, which is the vibes in Houston are amazing right now, in my opinion. Um you're muted. Oh, it's an all vibe squad right there. Sorry. I knew I was gonna do it to myself. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's all vibes, bro. It's like and the vibes are immaculate. I'm loving it. It's like young energy. Everybody's hype. And so we'll kind of see what happens with Josh Christopher there. Maybe he ends up playing a little bit of like third or fourth string point guard this year. Um like to see him kind of play the two, maybe even play the three a little bit in the small ball because he is, like you said, so big bodied. Um, He's able to kind of guard those bigger guys. And so hopefully we can see that. Um, I want to kind of transition a little bit over to Usman Garuba, who, uh, you know, I just brought up, I do think he's going to be in the G league a lot with Josh Christopher again, kind of because of the lack of minutes. Um, I didn't get to see him in person because I left before the fourth game when he actually played. Um, But what were your thoughts on Garuba? Do you think that he, you know, kind of showed you what you wanted him to play or, or what wanted to do or what, what were your thoughts? 
I also got like similar, similarly limited looks. I did watch back one of the games and like I saw him as I was watching well, Christopher. But um, yeah, no, I think that as someone like defensive minded, like he has, I think, some good um, like potential there. Um, using his length kind of being right now it's weird because for a five position yeah there's not a whole lot of room for the Rockets but like I feel like there is some potential for Usman there but just not right now but like on the pick and roll I think he's a very good job uh, as a defender and this is something that kind of carried over from the Olympics you know what I mean for someone who's only what six eight six nine six eight yeah yeah like he has I think a, a pretty good athletic gifts in terms of being a solid guy fluid um offensively i mean i didn't see a whole lot yet but I, again I, i've only watched the dude twice right. so i can't really speak a whole lot to that but and I the think offense we, the uh, offense is kind of like the knock on him right like coming in it still kind of is like that's why i think the g league will benefit him so much you're able to get a lot more touches on offense kind of get more comfortable that's not going to happen in the in the nba you're not going to get that opportunity really especially if you know, a lot of the guys on the Rockets, no team really wants to lose. We're going to talk about your team in a minute. But <laughs> I'm sure no matter how bad they are, their goal really isn't to, you know, tank out. It's to develop guys. And, and you know, there's guys on that roster who want to win games too and want to prove that they're good players and all-star level players as well. So same thing's happening in Houston. And um, I don't think that there's going to be the time for Garuba to really, you know, develop on the main team if they want to achieve, if the other players want to achieve what they need to achieve. Um, yeah. And so I, I I do agree with you though. Like the defense is there. It seemed like the defense was there. I think he's going to be a very good defender um, just offensively. <laughs> offensively is going to be a challenge, man. Yeah. There's definitely some stuff there. Uh, his wingspan's big. Like you said, defense is going to be fine. Offensively G league. Let's, let's try to get some, you know, at least finishing on the rim pretty well. Let's get some yeah, even if he's just got a screen and roll, just being a good finisher on that, you have enough guys who can shoot the ball, score off pick and roll, and at least make that simple pass, that he'll be yeah. fine, I think. Yeah, all he's got to do is that and, you know, hit a quarter three every once in a while. That would be, be nice. nice. It'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice. Not everybody's P.J. Tucker, unfortunately. Sadly, but. no. Even P.J. Tucker, apparently, from SBC land wasn't P.J. Tucker. <laughs> shout out uh shout out pj tucker in russia he was hooper. there you go <laughs> yeah pj tucker hooper a basketball player before we move on you know what that's you know I, ooh, that's a good one i felt like he started off as a hooper and now he's finished as a basketball player yeah he, he had, came to, out, he he had to turn into a basketball player to keep there you go if you ask pj tucker he'd tell you he's a hooper He's a hooper. Look at the shoes, man. Come on now. You don't get those shoes and not be a hooper. You don't get those shoes. All right, so we're going to move on from P.J. Tucker and, and Usman Garuba. Um, go to the big man, the Turkish dude. Uh, one of the more impressive guys in the summer league, in my opinion. Uh, just, you know, very, very active. A little bit of slow feet, but he's got great footwork. Uh, Alper and Shangun, what were your thoughts on him? I like him, man. I like him. I, I I was a fan. I see a little bit of, uh, and I haven't heard this really like the comparison too much, but I'm just going to keep doing it. Luis Scola in him. Uh-huh. Yeah. In terms of, you know, the low post, he's someone who's not big in that way. Like he didn't even yeah. look that big, you know, six, eight, six, nine, I think six, eight, right. He's uh, six, nine, six, nine. Okay. I'm at least I'm in the ballpark. There you go. But like, he doesn't look as you look at me like, oh, he can easily be a spot up three point shooter, but no, he wants to play in the post. Now the fact that he knocked down a couple of the threes was nice. So and one from the logo. And one from the logo. And from the logo, exactly. 
Which, if you, if I'm continuing that Luis Scola comparison, he didn't start hitting threes until he was almost out the league. But like he's someone that was, you know, at least had a decent mid range shot, that sort of thing going. And Shangun's shots already way better, as well as the bag he has in the post and his willingness to get down there. Um, offensively, he plays bigger than the size for sure, in my opinion, especially with his post up game. For Defensively. Sure. He, he gets in, like, decent positions, but the thing I think is that it makes it, like, getting in position for him, it's right. It's the good call, but it just showcases how small he is on the defensive side of the ball. Like, he gets, like, right outside the charge circle, like, defending the rim when he was, like, the sole big, which was a few times, and had his hands out, which is where you want to be, but it's like, well, wow, as, the, as you see the guy coming to the basket and you see him standing there, like, I don't think it's going to be that much of a deterrent. You know what I mean? Like, but he did a good job. He was solid. I think he was impressive. I think the soft feet is something, you know, um, I, I heard people going like, oh, maybe we can run the, you know, with his passing. He's a good passer, but like we run offense through him. I don't know about that just yet, but like, I like him a lot. I, I agree. And, you know, I do the Scola uh, comparison. I like it in terms of like the, the, the low post, how he's going to be able to work there. He's got the soft touch from the mid range. He can probably space the floor a little bit. I will say that I think Shangun is a much better athlete than Scola was. Um, 100%. That dude is flexible as all hell. Uh, there's a lot of it. There's a photo of him on a story from, I think it was yesterday, of him doing a full split, uh, just sitting there, full split, legs out. I wow. can't imagine like a seven foot tall dude doing that, but here we are. Um, <laughs> 2021, my friends. Yeah, 2021. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new generation. Um, but that and also just like he had a lot of really nice time blocks. Like he was a much better rim protector than I expected him to be. Um, I was genuinely very happy with Shangun on the defensive end. He missed some rotations, but you know, that's kind of expected with him. Um, bit slow feet and you know, just struggle keeping up with quicker guys, but. That's exactly kind of what I expected from him. So him being able to, you know, block shots at the rim at a much higher rate than he was doing in Turkey uh, was very impressive to me. And so um, very, you know, excited about what Shangun could do. I do think he might be a more long-term piece. There's a Kelly Eagle article about how the pick of Shangun makes him think a little bit about how like Christian Wood might not be here long-term. Um and how that might be a bit of a replacement, but wow. we'll see kind of what happens with that. Um, but, you know, for now, at least, I think Shangun's going to be a solid piece next year. Uh, we're going to go to Jalen Green, showstopper. Uh, I want to get Love your opinions guy. on him, and then I want to ask you a few questions just on where you think Green ranks, um, both now and long-term among some I'm of the I'm sorry. I had to inter- I'm sorry, Nima. Listen, Green, you've seen my, my wallpaper, my top five guys. Like, Green is earning a spot up there very soon alongside the Monte Ellis and the Tay Rozier. Mind you, he's a better player. But, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, well, Rozier's been good. But Green can come in off the bat, and the dude puts the ball in the basket as smooth as I've seen people do it, especially for someone his age this early. And it's not just someone who needs to play, like, on ball. He can score just as easily off ball. He has a little bit of that pop. got some swag. He had that nice little back and forth with K during that game I enjoyed. Um the dude, and he knows he's good. Like, it's, it's having the attitude. I could see him, like, being that guy for Houston moving forward. Um, still has some work to do, uh, particularly on the defensive end, although I thought he was adequate there. But decent passing, you know, not not too bad. He, he, knew what his, he knew what his thing was. He knew what his skill was. He went out there, and he went above and beyond on that. And, you know, that's something that he can um, 
is definitely going to have a lot of space to do. I, I'm intrigued by him and Kevin Porter Jr., but his athleticism, his shot-making ability, his shooting in general, on-ball, off-ball, being able to kind of be the hub of an offense for moments at a time, it's not quite there yet, but that's fine because Houston's enough guys already in KPJ and, and still John Wall that at least for now would assume that primary responsibility. Um, dude, the dude is nice, uh, and I think he lit up Summer League. How many points did he have in these games? Like, he was on fire. Yeah, he averaged, uh, I believe, close to 23 points per game. Um, he shot like 56% from the uh, three-point line and about 51% from the field. So there it um, is. absolutely scorched it up. I wish he played more. He got that uh, pulled hamstring and was sat out for precautionary reasons, which is completely understandable, but mm-hmm. uh, a bit unfortunate. I do want to ask you, you know, there's a lot of two guards in the league. There's a lot of these swing men, dynamic swing men. And we're kind of entering, I would say, a new generation of players, right? Um, the guys like LeBron, KD, Harden, Russ, uh, you know, all of them are kind of reaching towards the end of their career. Steph, uh, Clay, even, you know, Bradley Beal, who's at like 28 years old, five years from now, he's probably not going to be a, you know, one of the top five, top four shooting guards in the league. So, Compared to some of the younger guys, I want to see where you think Jalen Green will be in five years. So I'm just going to name shooting guards, and you tell me if Jalen Green's going to be better than them or worse than them in five years. Oh, I like this. Oh, man, it's on the spot, though. All right, let's get it. On the spot, yeah. So we're going to start off with Ant Edwards. Uh, Ant has too much. I'm I'm, I'm not going to say better just yet, but only because Ant is so powerful physically. Not yet. They might be neck and neck. It might be close, but I'm still giving Ant the edge right now. Plus, I mean, that's another guy I'm all vibe spot. That's true. Ant, Ant is also up there at the vibe spot. And uh, one of my professors last year worked for the Timberwolves. We asked him, do you think Ant Edwards can throw a fastball 95 miles per hour like he says he can? Uh, the answer was hell no. But <laughs> <laughs> uh do love Ant Edwards for having that uh, – that cockiness. So there you go. I, I, you know, I think that those two it could end up being a toss up. I do, you know, Jalen Green, in my opinion, has that kind of like superstar factor, just like the personality. Uh, and it has it too, but, you know, Jalen already went out and bought a grill. Like he's the flashy kind of, but like he's going to yes. be out there. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be the showstopper. And Edwards is going to be like just like the, the show in town. Um, and so I do think that those two guys couldn't, it could end up being, you know, the Rockets and the Timberwolves, both pretty nice young cores. You might see a rivalry there in a couple of years. Would be really, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Uh, and then Ant Edwards versus Jalen Green would be a fun one. We're going to go to OKC now, the team that you were in charge of. Okay. Oh, uh, no, don't do it. In five years. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't Jaylen do it, Nima. Or Shea Gilgis Alexander. Nima, why? <laughs> Oh, listen, it shouldn't even be that hard, but I'm only a week and removed from defending Shea Gildas Alexander with all I had. So you knew you did this on purpose. You set me up. All right, I'm going to have to go with Jalen Green. I love SGA. I think SGA can be like, I think he could be unrealistically high in terms of point guards in this league in five years. But some of what Jalen Green already brings to the hip right now, and I think having that experience, spending some of his developmental years playing the G League already and just bringing that to now, he'll just be so much more advanced, I think, in my opinion. And in barring injury, I don't see why not. No, I'm going to go with, I'm gonna go with Jalen Green for that. Darn it. I'm going to kick myself. And I'm glad that we already did our trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, get, 
Yeah, you probably would have got killed for that if you said yep, because I would have talked my team in that trade. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe they would have liked it. Who knows? Uh, maybe. I still can't believe while we're on the topic of that again. I can't believe you guys got it. You got Jonathan Kaminga for Lou Dort. Listen, dude, I got to tell you real quick, <laughs> brief aside, the, the funniest thing about that is that we weren't even trying to we wanted to trade Lou Dort. And that's okay, y'all. It was a, you know, we have a week. It's a mock trade deadline. It's kind of where it's framed. It's really cool. A lot of fun. But we had the thunder. We were going to trade Lou Dort. And we were trying to, we talked to you. We talked to some other teams. I remember um, we came to y'all and we were like, we'll do it for a first round pick. And you were like, I like that. Let me go talk to my team. Like you were like, I thought it was nice. If, you're like, if nothing better comes up, we're down yes. to do it for a first round pick. Yes. And I was like, sick. Like bring Lou Dort to Canada. I had Toronto. Yes. Uh, you said you know, that. <laughs> bring, bring the vibes. Like we got Andrew Wiggins. We wanted to, we wanted to bring the Canada vibes yeah, together. Yeah, I had Dort. I would have won. <laughs> 10, 15 minutes later, I see y'all traded Lou Dort in a late first and got Jonathan Kaminga. So we went from <laughs> we threw the first idea. We put it on the table, right? Then we got offered a manual quickly for Lou Dort, and I was like, mm, that's interesting. Then we got offered Aaron Neesmith for for Dort, and I like Neesmith, but we had a. a I love my guy, Wes. Shout out to Wes, but Boston guy. So he was like, Neesmith's amazing. And I was like, you know what? I'm with that. I'm with that. So then we were like, we're going to trade for Neesmith. And then, <laughs> then what happened was we were too busy. Like, we were like waiting on everything. So we said, let's put that aside. We'll get back to that. So we're waiting. We're like, we're going to go for Neesmith, but let's wait for a second. Because not our, not all of our team was convinced. In the time it took us to wait, Neesmith got traded for quickly. So then we lost both of them. And we're like, wow. But then, you know, the Warriors are doing Warriors things and they offered, they like, oh yeah, you know, Kaminga's available for a pick. And we're like, all right, like, (laughs) let's do that. And you're the Thunder with a thousand of them. And and so there we go. So that that worked out well. But that was funny. Went from a a pick. I can't believe the the pick y'all gave up was the Clippers one with that giant, like, duffel bag, Birkin size bag of picks. I know. And, and the one you guys give up is like a late first from the Clippers. Like all, not even a Rockets pick. That was wild. No, to me. I, listen, we had great negotiators on our team. I don't know what I got to say. That was a, we had that was a finesse job. Yeah, thank you. We were the Oklahoma City finesse, bro. <laughs> no offense to anybody on the Warriors team. I have a lot of no, love. Shout out to you. We, made, we, know we you made a great deal. I think it worked out for both teams. Pascal Siakam to the Warriors. Um what a squad. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun. But we're going to get back on topic real quick from that tangent. Yeah. I got four more guys I want to talk about. One uh, of them, uh, two of them older guys that I think will still be really good shooting guards in five years. Um, and they're a bit more accomplished. We'll start off with, with Donovan Mitchell, who has killed it in the playoffs the last few years. He's only, I believe, 24 years old, maybe 23 years old. In five years, 28 or 29, probably at the best part of his career, in his prime, do you think Donovan Mitchell will be better than the 24-year-old Jalen Green? I, I, this is the wrong question to ask me, man, because I'm so low on Mitchell myself. <laughs> I feel like I feel like 29-year-old Mitchell is just going to be a 29-year-old version of what we already got. Like, I'm, I, I think I think I'm going to take Green because I, I just – I'm not – I don't know. I feel like Mitchell is good in the role he's in. Because he's in the perfect team where he can just focus on his strengths and scoring. 
Yeah, defensively, just go out there and get a bucket. Exactly. The Jazz are a sound defensive team. You got Rudy Gobert cleaning up all messes. You don't got to worry about. You can distribute the ball, but you don't have to really got worry a bunch about of that. Shooters who you can bail, that can bail you out. Exactly. You got Conley who can handle the ball. You got Joe Ingles who can handle the ball. Um, uh, even um, Bogdanovich can do. He can do. Bo, Bo, you know, you have a lot of guys who can do stuff that you give Mitchell just free reign to score a bunch of buckets, get four to five assists, look okay doing it. And I'm yes, I'm he does a lot more. I'm I'm oversimplifying it, but what I'm trying to say is like I just don't look at him and go you know he's doing it all i think he's in the perfect position for his strengths to look that much better than they are where i see i think green's gonna have a whole lot more studio space to work into but even more than that you have someone in green who's gonna have to adopt some defensive friends but he's not gonna have the same he'll have nowhere near the same roster that donovan mitchell has even if alperin shingle becomes the best version of himself even if you know kevin porter jr is there and christian woods are rock they're gonna be a good team if they all become that player but they're not gonna be utah jazz and the utah jazz is custom fit to let donovan mitchell do what donovan mitchell does so i give it to and and the rockets aren't building around like jalen green at the moment they're trying to they're, they're they're getting guys who are high potential and seeing what sticks like the goal isn't to you know get Jalen Green and see what Shangun does and like, be like, okay, I want you to develop to help Jalen Green the best. It's we want y'all to develop as a duo and we're going to find guys who are going to fit, like help play to both of your strengths. Exactly. And so as well as Kevin Porter Jr. And as well as maybe even Christian Wood and these guys, like the goal is develop all these guys and kind of just see who sticks. Right. And so it's kind of different to what happened in Utah where Donovan Mitchell comes in and he's just the scorer they needed. Like that was all that was really missing was that guy who can go out there and get you a bucket and they got him. Exactly. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That was literally all they needed. And so things work a little bit different. We're going to kick it down a little bit South to where you are um, over in Arizona. Don't do it. He just made the finals. Oh my God. He'll be in his prime as well. Probably around 29 or 30. Uh, is is Devin Booker gonna be better than Jalen Green in five years? I live in Arizona, man, so I can't say nothing. They'll come for me. Um, I yeah, you better be careful how you finish this. I know I'm torn. Okay, so realistically speaking, I think that Devin Booker has made more strides in his game. Yeah, I think that Devin Booker has grown more from where he was projected to be to what he is now, and has carried rosters that have been somewhat deficient. Yeah, we look at this year, and a lot of it came to Chris Paul. A lot of it came to, you know, the inner development of, of DeAndre Ayton and uh, Mikel Bridges and guys of that ilk. But if you look at last season, the way the Suns finished strong, injuries messed up to begin with, but Devin Booker was a straw that kind of stirred the drink, grew a lot more in terms of um, ball handling and, and offensive initiation, offensive initiation, offensive initiation. I said that um, grew a lot better as a score and diversifying his game, you know, seeing the floor better out of double teams and creative traps and things of that sort. I think if we didn't see this coming out of Booker then, so I think we can see another two levels for Booker from now. I'm going to say no, because unlike Donovan Mitchell, who I feel is kind of crusted, he's a very good player, but it's just kind of there. I feel like Devin Booker is still continuing up. And I think this year, having kind of seen, okay, the importance of being consistent, even as the number one option deep into the playoffs, you know, he had some rough games here and there too. How can he better maximize that? This was his first playoffs ever. And he did a tremendous job. So if he can do this, and this is the first time, and he's what 24, 25. I, I see, I see a lot more growth for him. So I'm gonna say no, but maybe it's closer yeah. than we think. I agree with you. I mean, like think about when Devin Booker came into the league, everyone was saying, Oh, he's just gonna be a shooter, which is crazy because he shoots like 35% from three, 36% from three. Like he's not even like 
one of the most amazing shooters in the league. Like, obviously, the level of difficulty of the shots he's taking are a lot harder than some of the guys shooting 40, 41%. And if he was taking the shots they were taking, he'd probably hit 40 or 41% too. But he's not this, like, you know, insane sniper who's going to hit every – he's not Kyle Korver. He's not, you know – uh, even like a Wes Matthews or like a Seth Curry kind of guy who's just going to go out there, hit a three, and that's what his job is to do on offense. But that's kind of what people expected him to do coming in, like coming out of the draft. Like he's just going to be a really good version of one of those guys. Um, and like hopefully the defense would get better so he could be more like a Wes Matthews. But the defense got better. The offensive initiating got a lot better. In my opinion, five years from now, Devin Booker is going to be the best shooting guard in the league. I think guys like Ant and uh, and Jalen Green are going to be right there on his tail, maybe even Jaden Hardy um, coming into the next draft. And potentially the two guys I want to ask next, even though they are kind of point guards, I do see both of them maybe getting slotted in the two guard just because of the position of their teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start off with the guy in Detroit who went number one overall. So now we're really getting you. Wow. <laughs> We're in five there. years, is Jalen Green going to be better than Cade Cunningham? That's tough. That's tough. Um, that is tough. I feel like, wow. Cade has come up with so much hype in terms of what he can possibly be. And watching him the summer league, like, yeah, what you had concerns with, you still have concerns with. But what you were high about Cade to begin with is is no different. Like he's he's improved, um, or he has improved, but he showcased you know great shot making ability, the ability yeah. to see the floor, his great engaged defense. I think him and Jalen Green might become the Luka Doncic, Trey Young kind of thing. Where yes, you would take Luka over Trey Young nine times out of ten, majority of the time, but Trey Young is still pretty dang good. Yeah, and I, I feel mean- like uh huh. Like, uh, there was talks, of, like, if you go back to, like, you know, 1984, for example. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a s- different situation, but the Rockets taking Hakeem Olajuwon and then the Bulls getting Michael Jordan. Like, obviously, you missed out on Michael Jordan, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't deny you that. Still got, you still got Hakeem Olajuwon, arguably a top 10 player of all time, uh, the best player in your franchise who brought you two rings. Like, you don't know if you, you – Obviously, like, Michael Jordan won six rings, but Michael Jordan in Houston, playing in Houston for his career, maybe doesn't win six rings. Maybe doesn't even win two rings. I think the biggest oversight from all that is that we could have had uh, Hakeem, Clyde Drexler, and Michael Jordan all on the same team. So Now, this, whew, <laughs> now that would have been nasty. That that's been the nasty, biggest problem. Man. But yep. I do agree with you. Like, I think it's going to eventually, like, these guys are just going to kind of be 1A and 1B in this draft, right? Like, it might be Jalen ahead of Cade. It might be Cade ahead of Jalen. But, like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of argument about whether or not you should take one. Like, I think it's just going to be based on, like, team situation. Like, if you need a guy who's going to go out there and score for you, mm-hmm. um, you'd probably go out there and get Jalen Green if you had to pick between the two. But if you need yeah, a guy yeah. who's going to run your offense and really run your team, you'd probably go out there and get Cade Cunningham. It's going to be um, a lot fit-based. I agree. And so I, I do think that the, the two guys are going to be very close. Me personally, I do have to say, I think Jalen Green is going to be better than Cade Cunningham. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't nah. be surprised. <laughs> uh, no, I like that. And I, I'm also I, a little I, obligated to say that, aren't I? I was about to say you are, and I'm more. I'm more. So I want to know if you're obligated to say this. Okay. Is Jalen Green going to be better than Jalen Suggs in five years? <laughs> 
going to your magic, and we'll segue over go. to magic from here. There you go. Jalen Green the versus Jalen Suggs, which was at one point a legitimate argument in the draft like talk. And mm-hmm. honestly, kind of coming up to like draft day, there were some people still yelling like Jalen Suggs at number two. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard. Okay, it's not hard. It's not hard. I say green, but this is why I say green. I say I love Jalen Suggs. Like absolutely enjoy what he brings to the table. Um, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity in Orlando to learn how to run a team. He's going to basically have that squad. Now, they have a lot of questions coming up because you have a lot of guys who thought they were already kind of in charge of the squad before injuries, of course, had their say. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where they all fit. But Suggs does bring leadership, athleticism to the table, solid shooting, you know, good, good, good um, ball, hand, like ball, ball, decision, decision-making skills in the offensive end. I just think that right now you're trying to find out one thing that Suggs cements, okay, he brings this to the table. You yeah. know Green's going to bring scoring to the table off the top. If you're looking at Suggs, you know, he kind of brings a little bit of everything, but it's nothing defined just yet that I would say, okay, I'm hanging my hat on Suggs bringing that, that I'm like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. With that being said, I'm absolutely glad he's in Orlando because if there's any team outside of Toronto where Suggs would have probably realized his full potential, I think, it will be in Orlando. But I'm going to go with Green because right now you can say, okay, at worst, Green is going to be a 20 points per game score. Now, if he's 23 and three, it's not great, but you know he's bringing that to the table. Where I could see Suggs being, you know, a 17 and seven. I could see Suggs being a 13 and nine. You know, I could see him in a, in a wide variety of places, you know? Yeah. And so just for that, I'm going to go with Green. But I'm very, very high on Jalen Suggs. Like, I feel I'm obligated to say that. <laughs> yeah, like Suggs can be like a like a high end, you know, do it all guard. Like he can be like not saying he is Drew Holiday, but I'm saying he can be like the impact of like a Drew Holiday. He can also be like Alonzo Ball, like just kind of like still do it all, but like just at a, at a lower level. And so mm-hmm. I think Jalen Suggs is going to be pretty good. Um, I don't think he's going to be better than Jalen Green. We're going to kind of segue over to the Magic, your team. Because we do have a little bit of announcement to make. Uh, the Gen Z <laughs> Podcast Network is growing, and we finally found someone suitable to cover the Gen Z Magic <laughs> Podcast, Corbin. Welcome to the network. Thank you, sir. Uh, if I had a soundboard, I'd be playing applause right now, but I'll just clap <laughs> for you. I appreciate um, that, man. <laughs> very excited. We have we have the Warriors, Aaron 76's podcast, and, of course, Gen Z Hoops, and, of course, Gen Z Rockets. Um, it'll be nice to have another uh, another team down at the bottom with me to, to <laughs> sit, sit and be in sorrow. We slumming it out together, bro. <laughs> yeah, because because uh, Warriors and 76ers are kind of thriving right now, and meanwhile the two of us are just here. We started from the with, bottom, de- dealing with poverty, but it is what it is. You gotta deal with it. We do. Um, we do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> The Rockets and the Magic, they have some uh, interesting ownership as well, uh, the two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we definitely have uh, some some funny stories that are sharing that. <laughs> but, you know, we just talk, we just touched a little bit on Jalen Suggs, who I think is going to be really good. Um, I, wa- I do want to ask you, there's about four different point guards on the, on the Magic roster. What do you think kind of happens with those guys, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Markel Fultz still under contract for a couple more years? Um, how do you kind of see that shaking out over the next year or so? I, I find it really odd, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been thinking about this for a minute here. It's it's difficult because you just drafted Suggs. He's the guy that you look at, okay, he can kind of set the stage moving forward for you. You know, as that franchise guy, he's as closest as you have to that 
on this Orlando Magic roster. Not saying it's a guarantee he's that guy, but you're looking for someone to say, okay, fine. Markel Fultz, you mean you just signed an extension last season. Unfortunately, he did um, have the ACL. You don't know how he's going to come back from that. You know, his shooting still, while has kind of somewhat developed, it's still not what it was, you know, before we got into the NBA, still no three-point shooting range. He's a little more confident for mid-range, but you wonder, okay, you're going to play him on ball. He's not the kind of guy to play off ball yet. So that's kind of an issue there. Um, Cole Anthony, you know, had a slow start to the season. Definitely improved down the stretch. I liked what I saw from him in summer league. You look at him as someone that I think of all those guards, he's probably best suited to be a six man, um, at, at least for most assuredly this upcoming season. And then he's maybe we'll the see where score, I, in my opinion of the four. I agree. In the most scoring minded too, I'd say. Yeah. So you look at him like that. You just have a lot going on there between those guys. I think if I had it shaken out, you give Suggs the reins. I mean, you just brought him in fine. Plus you kind of have to, because you're only looking at Cole Anthony as the only other option considering that, you're still going to be without the services of Markel Fultz until into the season. When Markel yeah. Fultz comes back, you can kind of reevaluate from there. Um, you know, maybe reassign the pecking order in that way. I, when I say you give the keys to Suggs, I don't mean like, okay, Rook, this is your team right now. No, like, yes, uh, eventually I'm sure, you know, you draft him fifth with the understanding or hope that he would eventually become that. But right now you have a lot of guys you need to reevaluate, you know, and this isn't just the guards. This is just like in general, um, between a guy you signed an extension to um, in Jonathan Isaac, between Mo Bamba and Weddle Carter Jr., who could be brought back for, yeah. for some money. And you got to see, even if you want to give them that, because between injuries and subpar play, that's been interesting. Uh, you got Franz Wagner and Chuma. He got so many other people. I don't want to branch all over into the place, but like for the guard spot, I think right now it's Suggs and Anthony. And then yeah. when Fultz comes back, you kind of figure out between those three, um, specifically between Fultz and, and Suggs. I do think that like with Fultz, because realistically, like y'all have all these point guards. Y'all don't really have any twos, right? Like, yeah. It's it's kind of barren in the in the like shooting guard market for Michael Carter Williams. And so I do think you could end up playing, you know, Cole Anthony at the two. He's six three. He he's a little skinny, but like he 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 fits that shooting guard mentality as well. So you could play him next to a Suggs or next to a Markel Fultz. I don't think you can play Markel Fultz and Suggs together. Neither of them are really good shooters. Um, I feel like you need one of them to be a good shooter. And maybe maybe Suggs' three-point percentage does go up in the NBA, but, you know, you don't really want to bank on that, and I don't think teams are really going to respect him as a shooter until he proves that. Yeah. Um, so you need him to prove that first before you start playing the two of them together. Um, I do think, you know, I agree with you on the, like, you, you give the reins to Suggs over Fultz just because, like, you just spent the fifth pick on him. I don't think they were planning on getting Suggs. <laughs> no, no, I don't think absolutely <laughs> like not. All. Um, and I, I was saying that, like, I think realistically, like five, the the part of, where Scotty Barnes went four and Suggs went five, it didn't really like change anything for OKC or the Warriors at six or seven. But what it did do was change Orlando's plan at eight and made them take Franz Wagner at eight. And when they took Franz Wagner at eight, the rest of the draft changed. Yeah. So yeah. And that it started because you guys took Suggs at five, which is completely understandable. Best player available. I want to get your thoughts a little bit on um, on Franz Wagner at the number eight pick. What are your thoughts on him? Did you like what you saw at summer league? Uh, do you think that you know he was the right pick at eight? I I didn't. I don't. I, I oh, mean, wow. I, I Wagner is someone. He's going to be solid, and I don't mean to say it's not an indictment on him as a player. He's like a, ma- a jack of all trades, master of none type guy. But we don't need another, I mean, we, the Magic, I don't think, in my own estimation, need another player like that on a roster full of question marks and guys that have yet to have their talent fully tapped into. 
Um, I think you bring in a guy, if you brought in a guy like Moses Moody, who I was impressed by some of the growth he showed in the offensive, in addition to what he brought defensively for Golden State, you have someone who comes in with a skill set that the Magic need right now, which is outside shooting consistently. Because look at their shooting, kind of hit or miss, mostly miss. You bring that in, and yet you give him the studio space to explore his other offensive talents. See what Moody brings to the table. Maybe there's some on-ball initiation. Maybe there's more of a slashing game. Maybe there's a you know a, pull, a mid-range pull-up type deal. He showed a little bit of that, but maybe there's more of that. And he can become the wing, the archetype that, that Moody could eventually become is an archetype that we see has had a lot of success for being a primary guy in the league. Whereas Franz Wagner, I, I feel like Dr. Strange. Like I'm looking at all these estimations and I'm, I'm like, Dr. Strange came up with one where, you know, the universe can be saved. I'm doing all these permutations for where Wagner becomes a star and I, I have zero. Yeah. I don't see him being more than like a role player. I, I think he just kind of underperforms his draft value, especially with some of the other guys in that draft. I think if you guys were really like shooting for a wing, like – going for the high potential guy, which you should have been doing, mm-hmm. you probably go for Zaire Williams. I think uh, who, yeah. it, was, it was rumored earlier, like right before the draft that like y'all were kind of key, like keying in on Zaire at eight. So I thought that was going to happen. It would be nice. And, I'd like that. Just take that to explore, to grow. Yeah. Like take know? the risk. Like why not take the risk as the magic? Like you kind of need things to hit, especially with some of the guys that you guys currently have on your roster. Like, not to say any of them haven't panned out, but you like, you know, Jonathan Isaac with his injury history. Um, I honestly have no idea what the magic are doing with Mo Bamba. I feel like they horribly mismanaged him. Um, yeah. Like starting Ken Birch over him whenever you were actively trying to lose games made zero sense to me. Um, <laughs> let the free Mo Bamba. Um, but you know, it, I'm not, I'm still, I'm not super upset with the Wagner pick. I just think that there was better ways they could have gone about it. Like Wagner at eight makes sense. If like the Warriors had eight, you know, there you um, go. Exactly. Exactly. But if Wagner at eight didn't make sense for Orlando. I guess maybe you go for the safe pick. You get the guy that's going to pan out. But at that point you take Davion Mitchell. <laughs> there you go. I mean, and, might as well throw another guard at that. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, you guys don't really have a two. And, you know, Davion Mitchell is someone who can go out there right now. And he showed he can lock up twos like it's nothing. He did. He put the clamps on James Booker. Oh, my gosh. Um, Made Pritchard have nightmares for years. And I'm interested to kind of see, you know, he's been a winner at every level. Maybe that, that leaks into the Kings and they kind of – not to overrate Davion Mitchell or anything. I was super low on him going into the draft. So I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. But. Um, maybe like a, a, that mentality kind of seeps in because it happens. He's won at every level, so like, yeah. why not the NBA? I doubt it happens in Sacramento, but why no. not the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> if it, you're right with a winner like that. Yeah, I think the buck stops here. I'm sure he'll be the NBA champion somewhere, not yeah, Sacramento, just not just Sacramento. His <laughs> very next stop. Before we end Thanks. this, I tweeted out something about an hour before we started this podcast. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on it. If the NBA expansion draft, which likely could happen in the next couple of years, there's rumors about a team going back to Seattle, maybe a team going to Vegas soon, um, which would be really cool. I do think Vegas is ready for a basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, if the NBA expansion draft happens tomorrow, what eight players on the Magic are you protecting? And who's, who's getting on the first plane to Seattle? All right, so <laughs> uh, exactly. There's a few. All right, let me start with who's definitely not going. 
right? This might be controversial, but Suggs is staying, of course. Yeah. Cole Anthony. Chumo Kiki shown real potential. I like him. RJ Hampton's 20. Come on. That's four. Jonathan Isaac, five. What he can be, I'm not super high on him actually getting there. The injury has just been too much, but five for him. Six, Wendell Carter Jr. Seven, Markel Fultz. That leaves for eight, Franz Wagner or Mo Bamba. And I am going to say Mo Bamba, welcome to Seattle. That's tough, really. I mean, like, I understand because Wagner, you know, just became the first round pick. If that's why. He probably honestly, has higher value. You can probably get something out of him in a trade, but yeah, I, it is tough seeing Mo Bamba. I, I would, I would assume he gets picked in the in his, in his, eh, can't talk right now. I, um, I would assume that he's a, he's one of the players that does get picked, um, especially given like who's left over on the Magic after you protect those eight guys. Like there's, it's like him or Markel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean after you right after and that, I, yeah. I don't think a team's gonna start with Markel. I think like you, you might if you're gonna take somebody off the Magic roster. In my opinion, you'd probably take Mo and just go for it, uh, see what happens. But you know, the Magic do have a very good young core. They are on my summer league or not summer league, my league pass, like teams to watch. Okay. Um, very interested to see what happens in Orlando soon. Before we sign off here, Corbin, great show, by the way. I think I probably won't even have to edit this. It was just a you know solid conversation all the way through, which I'm really happy about. Appreciate uh, always man. great to talk to you. Can't wait to do more of these. Welcome to the network again. Is there anything that you want to say, anything you want to plug before we get, we get off of here? Honestly, man, I'm happy, excited to join you. Of course, you, my bro. Of course, John, like a good group of folks talking hoops. That's what I love doing. Um, follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Um, anything I got going on will be there. Um, aside from that, I mean, let's 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 make stuff happen. Yes, sir. A lot of things are going to happen. I'm very excited. Uh, y'all stay tuned for Gen Z Magic coming out very soon. Uh, definitely tune into that if you are going to be interested in anything Magic related. Corbin's the guy to talk to. Uh, as well as anything NBA related, go check out uh, the eh, <laughs> Round Ball Ramble. Can't talk. Uh, uh, Go go check out Corbin's podcast. Great podcast. You got a couple other ones. You just all over the place. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I've been doing a few uh, <laughs> right now. Round ball ramble is where it's at, but I'm I'm on I'm listen, I love talking hoops. So whenever anybody needs me to talk, I'm on there. Uh just check it out. Yeah, Corbin's the guy I talk to when talking hoops. So definitely go check him out. Definitely go give him a follow. Uh very excited to see the stuff you're doing. Until later, y'all. Thank you for listening. Um you know, stay tuned for next week. There's going to be some other stuff coming out. I will be probably not posting anything for the next week or so because I'm trying to enjoy my last couple of days in Houston. <laughs> um, but until then, go Rockets, and we'll see you all next time.